0: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Bryce with the Advanced Relationship Podcast. I'm excited to be here today talking to you about the difference between a healthy relationship and a powerful one. What does that even mean? I'll get into it here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you that we have a live event going on January 18th to the 20th. If you want more info, you can go to www.advancedrelationshipacademy.com. Check it out. And if you're interested in working with us, you can also go to our webpage and book a free relationship mastery session. Or you can reach out to me or Jenny at Jenny at advanced com or Bryce at Advanced dot com. So let's just jump right into it. And first off, the reason that I brought up this topic is because often couples come to us who are already in a pretty healthy relationship and one or both people are just wanting something a little more and we don't really have a label for what could be more than healthy so I want to talk about that I want to introduce some language so that maybe you can talk about this with your partner and it may help you set your sights on something that's a little bit above and beyond what you've been just expecting to get out of your marriage or your partnership. Because there is more. There's an ever-deepening understanding of your partner and what a relationship can be. And even though we don't have a ton of language for it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So first off, let's talk about what a healthy relationship looks like. And even before that, let's talk about what a healthy relationship doesn't look like. And then we'll work our way up. So a few examples of what a healthy relationship doesn't look like are if there is current physical abuse. And yes, I do think that with a lot of support, a couple could get through a an incident of physical abuse. I think it would take a lot of work. It's probably the difference between losing 20 pounds and losing 100. It's going to take more work, probably more support. There might be a little excess something at the end, but it is still possible. But if you're if you're currently being physically abused or abusing, you're not in a healthy relationship. Also, if there's a current affair going on, I don't know a situation in which you would say I have a really healthy relationship. It's just that my husband is sleeping with my neighbor. I don't know in what world that would exist. Doesn't make sense to me. Also, if there's any active addiction and just to put it plainly, Um, because there's a lot of opinions on what that would entail. But if you're using drugs and alcohol almost every day, getting intoxicated, that's active addiction. If one or both of you are doing that in your relationship, it's probably not a healthy relationship. So we can just plant that flag and leave that there. I don't think that's very debatable. So now working our way up to different types of what I would call unattached relationships. And those are sexual relationships, recreational relationships, intellectual relationships, and general companionship. And I I came up with these on my own. Maybe someone else has already labeled these, but these four are the ones that stuck out to me. And, And usually I think these happen earlier on in dating, but they can continue on into a marriage for sure, especially the companionship piece. So a sexual relationship is basically what it is you're just using the relationship mostly for pleasure and sex and it's compartmentalized and outside of that maybe there is some recreation and connection and of course you're you have some type of relationship where you're connecting and speaking but it's primarily centered around the sexual aspect and a lot of people stay here for a while uh, if they're younger if they don't know what they want and they will stay somewhat in a serial dating situation. And that's okay. I think that a lot of times, as we're trying to figure out what we want, we might just be feeling out that in a way that is sometimes sexual, and there's nothing wrong with that. But most people really don't want to stay here forever. The second type is a recreational relationship. So that, again, same thing. Maybe you're going out and you're having a lot of fun, and it feels good, and maybe you are connecting in other ways too, but it's really centered around this thing that you're doing. So if you didn't have that thing, then there wouldn't be much to the relationship. The third thing is an intellectual relationship. So sometimes people really just want to have a surfacey level. Sometimes people just want to have a Sometimes people just want to have a surface-level relationship that revolves around chatting and talking about topics that interest them, and intimacy isn't as important, and it's the way that they know how to connect, and it doesn't go much deeper than the surface. And again, that's okay. But I find that most people either don't want to stay here, or if we really dig down into it, they do want to move deeper into a relationship and they are scared or just don't know how. The fourth type of unattached relationship would be a companionship or could call it even a friendship. So this could evolve. This could turn into something where maybe you're married and you have kids and slowly the intimacy fizzles out until you're really just staying together for the kids or for some other reason and you get along fine and you have this friendship But as far as really spending time together, that may be really hard. Or having a sexual relationship may feel draining. Or you're just finding that you're doing your own things and that you just come together when you need to for family events or just because you have nothing else to do. But it's not very deep. It's not very fulfilling as far as intimacy goes. And then as we're moving our way up into what a healthy relationship looks like, This is usually, for most people, at the end of the road. Like, if we can get here, then we've made it. But I find often that people are not satisfied with just having a healthy relationship. And what I mean by a healthy relationship is that your health is not at stake. Your mental health is not at stake. You're getting by. And I think there are some base requirements to be in a healthy relationship. The first being that it's supportive. You may be willing to give your life for that person you support what they do they support you you feel it and you're not wishing anything negative upon them you may have decent communication so hard stuff comes up and you have a a general sense of how to work through it you might go into more passive or aggressive states but ultimately you're not hauling off and hitting each other and you get through it it might be slow it might be hard but you get through it and you reach some kind of understanding or at least someplace where you guys both feel safe. It's not high level, but it's decent. You also have a general idea of your relationship goals. So maybe it is that you want to have kids, and maybe it is that you want to buy a bigger house and retire at 65. Again, these are probably more surfacey goals, but you're both moving in the same direction. And you may have no goes to maintain harmony. So it's like, yeah, I have this over here, this thing that I do, and I don't really want feedback on it or a challenge. I just want to be able to do it and you stay in your zone when I'm there. And that way we'll just stay in harmony and we won't get into conflict. And this is going to create some more problems down the road, but it's still possible to be in a healthy relationship where you have these no-go zones. And these are really tough to identify a lot of times because we usually start with no-go zones at the beginning of a relationship and we're just showing our best selves. And then we, as we move into a more committed relationship, those areas shrink, but a lot of times they still remain. So you can still have a healthy relationship with these no-go areas, but the general safety is also gonna be affected some because, because there's always gonna be some curiosity about what's really going on in that no-go zone. And one way that this shows up for me is I've had a no-go zone after coming into adult adulthood where I didn't really want to talk about painful emotions. Like if I'm going to deal with painful emotions, I want to go do it on my own, give me the space to do it. And I've had partners in the past that they wanted to come help or kind of see what's going on. And I'd be like, no, this is a no-go zone for me. Once I get here, I don't want to hurt you, I don't want to hurt anyone else, but I need to deal with this on my own. And although we stayed in a healthy space, it created this compartmentalized, even what I would call a double life, where I'm dealing with my internal struggles on my own and only trying to show my best self to my partner. And obviously there's going to be some incongruence there, some dissonance, people just pick up on this stuff, especially if you're with someone every day and it doesn't work long term. So, I'm constantly working on going to that dark area and showing it to Jenny and vice versa so that we can really know each other. But it's still possible to be in a healthy relationship where you have those no go zones. And both partners are happy enough. From the outside, it might look really good. You have jobs, you have a family, maybe, you have a house, you have cars, you're going on vacations, you're on social media whatever, it looks pretty good. And I think most people are in this place. There's nothing wrong with this place of just being in a generally healthy relationship. And the important thing to to understand here as I'm talking about this is this is a spectrum. So as we're moving into now talking about what a powerful relationship looks like, it's not like one day you transition into a powerful relationship. A powerful relationship is also healthy, but you're gonna move along this spectrum. And it could happen day to day or week to week or year to year, but it is possible to move beyond this into a place that's much more than just enough or looks good or we're getting by or it's fine. So let's talk about what a powerful relationship looks like. And this is where I get really excited because this is what me and Jenny are teaching people and learning a lot about in practice and in our own educations. So a few things that I've labeled here, I have six of them. The first is that you have clear agreements, not just about what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Why are we in this partnership together? Is it to really challenge each other to be better people, to go into the scary places, to experience conflict and work through it, not around it, not sweep it under the rug, to be as present as possible as we can in our lives and with each other. To be connected to our community, to our families, it's not just about you and me. It's about everyone in our lives together. Number two, challenge. So what I see this looking like is each partner takes turns stepping up their game in different areas of their life and they invite their partner to do the same. And this goes back to the no-go zones where like, Maybe one partner really isn't taking care of their health and the other partner is like, well, I'm just not going to ask him about that or her. This is different. This is where you're, you're modeling taking care of your own health, mental and physical and emotional, and you invite your partner to join you in this. And it's going to create some conflict if they're not willing to. And then you're going to work through that. You're going to talk about that. Powerful relationships take a lot of time and energy. But they also pay out big time. And the currency is your own fulfillment, your passion, and your connectedness that you feel to your partner. Number three, you need skills to work through conflict. So just getting into conflict really isn't enough. In healthy relationships, maybe you have some tools that you learn from your parents or you just kind of develop strategies, strategies on your own. But a powerful relationship will have a variety of tools to turn mundane disagreements into learning moments that deepen your understanding of each other. And I have an example. So there's a a disagreement about how to spend money. And this may sound really, really familiar. One partner disagrees and blames the other for even thinking about it. Not just, no, we're not even going to talk about, I'm just mad that you even thought about it. And there are basically three options. The person requesting can go passive, and they can say, fine, whatever, I guess I didn't need that thing anyways, that's my bad, sorry, and they can just give in. Or they can get aggressive and just fight, 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 come up with all these reasons, and eventually win, or maybe they lose, but they're going to fight tooth and nail to the very end. It's one of those things that's going to be really tough to watch and be a part of. Or the third thing is you can sit down and find out what's really going on. So it may be that one partner is feeling fearful about money, or that the other is finally trying to speak up about a need, and it's not so much about the outcome. Sound familiar? And at a deeper level, as they work through this and get present and ask questions and and reflect back what they're hearing so that their partner can understand understand themselves more deeply, they come to understand that they both are struggling with their respective fears and that this has been going on for most of their life. They can both acknowledge and relate to each other's fear, even though it's a little bit different. And from this point, they can move forward with the conversation from a place of compassion in a place where they're engaging the creative part of their brain and they're not back in their amygdala where they're just fighting or freezing or fleeing. Number four is that a powerful relationship requires us to deepen our understanding more and more. You understand that you and your partner are always changing, and you have a deepening curiosity of who they are and what they need. And you're never going to do this perfect, but the fact that you're even trying to do this, that you haven't just given up and automated your partner and and began to think that you just know everything that they're thinking and doing and their motives because this is where we often get to because because after being with someone for such a long time we just, we tend to think we know it all this is the way we experience life but understanding that we're not just things we are processes that we're always changing and that there's always going to be a new level of understanding that has to come in order to get connected and to become more intimate with each other. Number five, both parties are actively following their dreams, their passions, and they are excited about each other's dreams in all the areas of their life, family, friendship, work, creative process, health, etc. Whenever I hear people talk about, yeah, when they just talk about X, Y, and Z, and it's just so boring, it's, just, it's always a red flag because I want to know what's actually going on with you that you're not interested in Not so much what your partner's subject matter is, but their own emotional state around it. There has to be some block there. Because if we really are open and connected and curious, even if we don't care about that chick flick, even if we don't care about that basketball game, we're going to care about our partner's interest in that subject. Subtle difference, but still big. And to give you an example, it might sound something like this. So, your partner comes in they want to tell you about something and you say hey i really don't care about this it sounds stupid to me i'm not interested versus they start talking about this thing that you're not interested in but you can tell they're excited and you ask oh okay i'm not really interested in the subject matter here you're being honest but why is this so important to you oh it sounds like it was fun and you were with your friends and you were connecting and all oh, that makes a lot of sense cool number six Powerful couples receive education and support. It is just a fact that our parents and our parents' parents did not have the tools and resources and knowledge that we have available to us today. And powerful couples seek this support in order to learn more and in order to create a vision for what the relationship can be. This is what me and Jenny are doing. This is what we do with our own coaches We're not just out here preaching this thing that we're not willing to invest in. We are fully invested in this every single day. And we work with people who are doing the same thing. And it is inspiring. And it is powerful. And there is a lot more change that happens when you have support and you're learning more tools. And you're getting real-time feedback as to what's going on in the moment. When we work with couples... They play out their patterns right in front of us and we get to coach them in the moment, which is way more effective than both parties trying to go off and do it on their own or have one party do it on their own. There's a new mindset, there are new skills, and new learning that need to be cultivated and practiced in order to reach this place of having a powerful relationship. There's nothing wrong with where you are in your relationship. Whether it's at a really unhealthy spot, whether it's at a pretty healthy spot, there's always room for growth. And there are tools and resources out there. And it's more than just reading it in a book. If it was that easy, then coaches would just recommend a few books to read and everyone would be having these successful relationships. But that's not the case. Studies have shown that more and more people are becoming unhappy in relationship, are feeling more alone. This feeling of aloneness is really an epidemic. And I think this goes well beyond just intimate relationships. I think this feeling of being alone is a prime mover in addiction and anxiety and depression and and lots of these things that we as people are struggling with today. It doesn't matter what's going on with the economy. It doesn't matter what's going on with the environment, although those are important things. None of that's going to matter to anyone if we're feeling alone, not connected to our partners, if we're not feeling powerful, if we're not feeling inspired, and I believe the best way to do this is in relationship to someone else because they're going to show you things that you cannot see in yourself. And when two partners join in this together, I can't think of a more powerful union than two people coming together to to really understand each other, to learn more about themselves, to use their relationship to make an impact on the world no matter what it is, to raise a family where your children are getting the download and the modeling of what it looks like to be in a powerful relationship. This is the foundation of how we change the world. So again, thanks for tuning in to the Advanced Relationship Podcast. I'm really excited to have all this engagement into the process. I want to throw a huge shout out to the clients that we've been working with that have been tuning into this podcast, really soaking up all the information. Me and Jenny are still over here learning, practicing, down in the trenches, doing this. And we are so stoked to be helping people create the most intimate, loving, and powerful relationships on the planet.